Hello again, Broncos country, and welcome to another episode of the Orange Weekly pre-game podcast with all the holidays and mixes in the air. Uh, it's kind of a sad, just general feeling in Broncos country. We're, we're out of the playoffs. We have a ridiculous amount of injuries and COVID uh, names. You know, the passing of Demarius Thomas a couple weeks ago on top of uh, the passing of Dan Reeves. It's been a lot uh, for Broncos country to take in. And I think right now we're just kind of in a, in a rut uh, coming into the new year. Um, as always, usually I'm, I'm joined by David. This time I'm joined by co-founder of Orange Weekly, Kev. Uh, Kev, you've been on the pregame podcast before, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's been a little bit, but I've been here before. Yeah. Well, well welcome. Uh, how are you feeling right now? I, I feel like right now just the Broncos country in general is just kind of feeling a little bit down. There's just a lot going on uh, that just seems negative all, all the way around. Is there any positive spin that we could put on this or how are you feeling so i'm it's a good question you know this is a spot that we've been here way too often you know in consecutive years now of you know six consecutive years uh where it's this time of the season you know we're already talking majority like looking towards next year now a positive spin uh and this is you know honestly i just not just me trying to make things up, but how I really feel is, you know, looking at uh, what George Payton uh, can bring to the team. You know, this is what we're going to hopefully have hired him for is to be making, making these tough decisions. Um, and while the Broncos are, you know, one of the top defenses in the league, um, you know, we didn't hire Vic Fangio to be a defensive coordinator. We hired him to be a head coach. And under his tenure as the Broncos head coach, we've had three consecutive losing seasons. And so what are we going to do? Uh, George Payton here has an opportunity to put a, his his stamp on the team, bring in a another head coach that can change the culture of the team. Uh, he can uh, potentially, hopefully, knock on wood, this actually happens, bring in a big-name quarterback, somebody that we can rely on um, for the foreseeable future. Um and, and get us into not just are we a playoff team, but, you know, it's more of a question of how deep in the playoffs are we going to get every single year, you know. Um, if, if he continues to draft the way he's been drafting, you know, this is this is something that can be turned around very quickly, actually. Um, so, you know, what he's done so far is positive. Um, it leads me to believe that this next year is going to be positive as well. Uh, we're going to get an ownership, hopefully, if, if not this year, then next year. And a lot of these problems that we've had for over half of a decade now should turn around. So I, I think the end is in sight. And that's not just me being, you know, a, a positive thinking person. It's it's like, OK, this is the there's reason to believe that things are going to turn around. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a big part about that. I do feel like we've also been playing this game for too long to kind of. You know, I, I like what he's done. I like what Peyton's done. I agree with you. Um, it's just one of those things that we're going to have to see what happens. I think this might be the biggest offseason that we're, the Broncos country is going to see in a long time uh, with with regards to uh, turnover of coaches, quarterbacks, yep. um, possibly some front office guys, maybe ownership. Yep. There's just so much at stake right now that 
that's not there. But we're going to try to keep this a little bit positive for you because we're always trying to stay on the optimistic side. So we have a game coming <laughs> up against the, the uh, Chargers in L.A. Zero implication for the Broncos and a lot of people on that list. But we'll get into that in just a minute. We need you to make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. Make sure you're following us on all our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Snapchat, only fans, all of them. We're on all of them. So uh, make sure make sure you're subscribing to those. Uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Orange Weekly pregame podcast. Orange Weekly fans, brews, and Broncos news. All right, Broncos country, as you know, we're here with TPPN, the Pigskin Podcast Network. We are sponsored by DraftKings. Make sure that you guys are going on and get, getting your bets in to get your free money from DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, if you bet, if you are a new customer and you bet just $1 on any team to score, you will win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If you're like me, you don't live in a betting state, make sure you're getting on the huge cast prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. What we need you to do, go download that DraftKings Sportsbook app right now, use the promo code TPPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 years or older, in a betting state only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook. For details, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, here we are, Kev. We're going into the end of the season. We just lost to a division rival for the second time. We've beat the Chargers once at home Mm -hmm. with a full, Mm -hmm. healthy squad. Mm -hmm. Um, And we got Kansas City the week after that. And I I feel like I think there's still, you know, I'm always mathematically limited. I think there's like a .005% chance we can still make the playoffs. But... With that being said, there's a lot of injuries on this. I'm just gonna start. I'm just gonna start listing off some of them. We did just hear before we started recording this on Saturday morning. Um, Cortland Sutton does look like he will be playing. It looks like he's been cleared to travel with the team, which means he's probably gonna be right. playing on Sunday. So let yep. me go down this list of people who are out or questionable. Starting from the last game, uh, we lost to Sean Williams to the IR after he tore his ACL. Um. <laughs> We lost Mike Purcell is out due to, due to getting put on the, the COVID list. Um, offensive tackle Calvin Anderson, which is probably the best up, a backup offensive tackle uh, in the NFL, out. Caden Stearns, the strong rookie uh, safety, out. Both those guys on the COVID list. Um, we have a couple questionables, but it looked like most of them will play. Ronald Darby, uh, Shelby Harris, and St- Shamar Stephen, uh, which is big needed because the rest of these names. Uh, Stephen Weatherly, big linebacker that we picked up from Minnesota in the offseason, out. Bryce Callahan, out. Mike Ford, cornerback that we picked up to kind of strengthen our cornerback, out. Bobby Massey, offensive tackle, starting off as a tackle, out. Jerry Judy, Bradley Chubb, uh, both out with on this illness list. Baron Browning, uh, Jonathan Cooper, McTelvin Aguim, all out on the COVID list. Um, Tim Patrick, out on the COVID list. And... There was a few that were on the COVID list before. Like I said, Cortland Sutton and Kareem Jackson was injured for the most of the time, but he's back and we're playing our backup quarterback. So with that <laughs> list, it looks like it looks like our entire wide receiver room got slimed. Our entire linebacking room got slimed. Where does that leave the Broncos 
this week? Uh, up shit Creek without a paddle. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you have a bunch of injuries on the wide receiver core. And so you can rely on your run game um, with the injuries to the offensive line. What, you know, are we going to really see much of a difference in the run game than we did last week? You know, well, I mean, it could be worse, not by much. I mean, that was the third worst rushing game the Broncos had in, in their history. Um, but it's not like we can just, you know, rely on running the ball to um, to carry us through this game uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, uh, Teddy or not Teddy. Um, Drew Locke's going to have to do something to to find a way to move the ball down the field. You know, he's going to have to be smart with his decisions, but, you know, he's not going to have too much time in the pocket. Um, he's going to have to, you know, roll out, get to some open field, find find a way to give himself another second or so, maybe some short, quick passes. Um, and a lot of this, you know, it sounds like if we had a uh, more reliable offensive coordinator um, that could put together a, a better game plan for this situation and then maybe we'd have some sort of chance of overcoming these hurdles. But uh, to be honest with Pat Shermer, he can't adjust. We've seen it. He, he can't adjust to the situation. He can't adjust to the quarterback that is in, um, you know, if it's not Teddy Bridgewater, um, I don't know, man. It, it just kind of like, well, what, what does this team do now, man? It's tough to say. Yeah. So, so I, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. So, obviously, the the offensive line without Bobby Massey and, and Anderson, we still have our core and Bulls, Reisner, Christian Barry, and Miners in there, which I think with those guys in there and the running game that we set up against the Chargers to beat them the first time, that's basically going to be the only way we win this game. With Luckily, we got Sutton back, and Fant and Alberto not being on those lists is definitely nice for us. But yeah. having Sutton back, our other two wide receivers are, are Kendall Hinton and my boy. You know I love De- Deontay Spencer. I'm a big fan of him, but I don't think he's ready to take on that role um, no. against a Chargers team who's who's looking for playoff implications right now. Yep, it's a lot. So that's on our on our offensive side. We got you know our our biggest playmakers right now are Fant and Albert O. And you know, Cartland Sutton has been targeted every once in a while. But if he's our only wide receiver that we can target, there's no way that we're gonna be they're gonna blanket him. You know, mm-hmm. in their backfield. In their backfield, they have Darwin James out there at strong safety who's going to be just absolutely blanketing him or either one of our tight ends. We're going to need to go two tight end set. We're going to need to run the ball. We're going to need to get pressure on that front line. Also, mm-hmm. because of the injuries to the defense as we get over there, we're going to need to hold on to the ball. Um, and that's basically the way that we did it the first time. We just, we just held on to the ball. The offense took charge, and we kept the ball. I mean, Drew Locke came in there for a couple plays against the Chargers, uh, and led us to a touchdown, right, where it was 90% right, right. running the ball. And the big third and, like, nine uh, run from Javante Williams for the touchdown. But I think that's going to be what the key to the game here is, establishing a run. And, again, those two tight end sets are big because we still have, while they're not blocking tight ends, right, I've never called Fanta blocking tight end in my life, but Alberto is decent at blocking, but at least you have yeah. two guys in there that if we need to run some sort of play action out of that heavy set, we can, and that's where our strength is going to be because right now our strength is not on the outside, and our, our absolutely our strength is not at our quarterback position. Yeah. No, you got you got a point. I mean, uh, my thing is we did it so well against them the first time that uh, I guarantee you they picked apart that game tape. Um 
saying, Hey, this is, this is exactly how they beat us this first time. You know, how can we stop it the second time? And if they take that run game away from us, um, you know, that's going to be really, it's going to be a really hard game to watch for Broncos country. You know, it's going to get ugly pretty fast because yeah, if we can't control the ball, if we can't maintain possession, um, you know, that game could run away from us very quickly. And, you know, um, you know, what do you do if you're down by more than, you know, two possessions early on, you know, um, it, it just, it, it sucks because normally this defense that we count on so, so well to keep the score low could find themselves in a tough position this week. Now you have, uh, you know, and I'm going to cr- give credit where credit is due. Vic Fangio, you know, does call good defenses. He does come up with good schemes. He is able to uh, change things up based off the situation. He has a hell of a situation uh, this week to kind of manage. Um, so I do have faith that he's going to do well there, but then, you know, it, it it's just one of those things. It's, it's something that we could keep this game close, um, but I, I also would not be surprised just based off of, look, even Vegas is saying it. You mentioned before we started recording that now we're, uh, you know, eight-point underdogs. We were three-point underdogs. Now we're – yeah, yeah, started after, so, after last week's game, we were three three and a half points underdogs uh, in L.A., which is basically kind of a wash. Usually when it's like three points, it's usually uh, wh- yeah. whoever's favoring the home team. But, um, yeah, now we're like eight and a half point underdogs with all the injuries and COVID lists that we have. Yeah. So Vegas is seeing this, too, and saying, ah, this, this is a game that could get messy very quickly. So, um, I don't know, man. Uh, look, it's not like we have zero chance. I'm not sitting here saying, like, oh, we might as well just throw in the towel. Uh, we're just going to have to find a way with the players we have to get that run game going, you know? Right. And uh, Drew Locke has got to have another performance where he doesn't turn over the ball. You know, hey, here's his chance to show that he can be uh, have consecutive games without turnovers. I mean, we've seen this how many times where he's had a game without a turnover or during training camp, you know, he had a great day at training camp and the very next day it was a terrible day for drew lock is what we all heard on the news and everything, you know? So can he put together what he's apparently, you know, said he's learned and have consecutive good performances? Cause that this point he's, you know, trying to show that he can still be, you know, a backup somewhere, maybe not necessarily a starter depending on the team, but can he be a backup and you need somebody who's going to yeah. not be able to, to turn over the ball. So, so, so he's, he's got a really, he, he's getting put in a really interesting position by taking yeah. these final snaps and Teddy Bridgewater's not coming back this year. I, 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 I don't see us trying to rush him back. Even if he's healthy after the concussion no. the level of concussion that he wasn't even questionable like to possibly come back and practice this week makes me think he's not going to be back next week either. There's no so reason Drew for Locke him to has come these back. Last three games, these last three games to do two things for himself. One, prove it's not him and it's the coordinator. And the way that you do that yeah. is don't, don't throw any interceptions. Don't fumble the ball. Don't have any turnovers. If you can prove that it's the, which happened last week against yeah. the Raiders. I mean, he played a pretty decent game. He was delivering balls. There was a couple drop passes. You could probably blame a couple of those on the receivers, but he was making he was making throws. He wasn't putting a ball into positions where it could have been turned over, and he was mm-hmm. playing a good game. The problem was the play calling was not getting us into the red zone or into the end zone, which is how we end up losing this game. Right. Now, now if he can do that for the last two games against divisional opponents, that gives him a lot more leeway as far as where he wants to go or where he can go or if the Broncos keep him for next year. 
because there's still yeah. a lot of talk on what we're going to do for next year. And, you know, I've gone really in depth on this about whether or not we're going to get it. If it all starts with who we pick up as a coach and then it decides after that what we're going to do in the offseason, rookie quarterback yeah. or veteran quarterback. Uh, keep Locke or keep Bridgewater. Um, all that kind of falls into place once the first domino falls. Everything kind of starts falling after, and I'll give you a little bit more insight on that. Once that first yeah. domino falls, we can kind of see the rest. But Drew Locke has two ways to do this. He can either prove that he's going to be a starter in this league eventually and show that it's the offensive coordinator, which I think a lot of us, especially around Broncos country, are really convinced of, or yeah. he's going to go out there and have just a terrible game, throw four interceptions, and prove that he's the most inconsistent quarterback on an NFL team, which is also something I've seen. Um, one last thing before we switch over to the defensive side, Cam for, Cam Fleming, Cameron Fleming is going to be our starting right tackle. Um, with that, he's had 117 snaps at offensive tackle for the Broncos this year, and in his 117 snaps, he's only let up a couple pressures, so he's actually doing pretty well on yeah. that offensive side. Um, and running the ball, I believe I don't remember which game it was that he was in for Bobby Massey with uh, Anderson on the other side in for Bowles. It was a couple weeks ago. Both of them were out. We had Anderson and Fleming, and we had one of the best run games. I think that was the one where both of our running backs went over for a hundred yards. And, oh, um, yeah, true. We, it, with that being said, I think I think the key to this game on the offense is to run the ball. And then it'll open things up for Drew Locke. And but again, run the ball. But Drew Locke, you got to hold on to it for not just the Broncos, but for your career. I think this is yeah. this is the this is it. Third year, last two games this season. You haven't been able to play much this season. This is how you prove it. Right here, right now. All right, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball. This is where the injuries are going to get us, specifically at inside linebacker. Luckily, Kenny Young, while he's questionable, he was limited practice last week on uh, Wednesday, Friday. I do believe he probably will be playing. And if he doesn't mm -hmm. play, I have no clue who's going to be in that next spot. <laughs> um, we went out and got Aaron Patrick as an edge defender. Um, he's been called up. Uh, and then Malik Reed on the other side. Malik Reed luckily stayed away from that with Bradley Chubb out. Um, Shelby Harris was questionable. Looks like he'll be back. Um, Shamar Stephan, uh has been playing in and out with us, kind of up and down from practice squad with us. He's been playing on the inside. And then Draymond Jones on the inside. I think he should be back. Um, I haven't seen an update on what his his uh, status is, but I think it was still questionable. So it would be nice for him to play yeah. on the outside. Luckily, in our DB room, we lost Bryce Callahan, our, but we've kind of grown accustomed to not playing with him. He's been on and off the injury front for the last <laughs> couple of years now. Um, yeah. Pat Sertan, Ronald Darby on the outside, um, which will be nice. And I think Pat or uh, Fuller, I believe, is also on the list. Let me double check. No, Fuller's, Fuller will come in as our slot corner in our nickel packages if we need him to. Justin Simmons and Jackson, uh, Kareem Jackson, both expected to play. So our big issues here are defensive line and linebacker. That's where we're going to be missing the most people, uh, specifically at the depth in those positions to be able to get fresh breathers. If I'm the, if I'm you know the Chargers, if I'm the the head coach of the Chargers, I'm letting. Austin Eckler get the ball 99% of the time, right? Yep. Yep. And with the with the issues that we have at the inside interior defensive line and the linebacker position, Austin Eckler is going to be getting the ball a lot and let Justin Herbert get the open throws. It's kind of the same game plan that we're going to have to have, but unfortunately, Herbert's better at that and his his wide receivers are guys he's been with the whole season, Mike Williams, uh Keenan Allen who's having just a breakout year this year. Uh, oh, again, God, yeah. every every single year he's having a great year. And then on the <laughs> outside even Josh Palmer, the rookie out of Tennessee, having a pretty good year on the other side. So he's got 
his weapons as re- at re- at receiver, and he's also got an elite running back. I I I do not I do not think that they don't run all over us. And even even at the Chargers game, Kev, we were there. Uh, they mm-hmm. seem to just be able to control the line of scrimmage in the second half and just keep running the ball if they need to, right? Right. Yeah. Um. You know they have their their list of injuries too over there. But you you know if you're coming down to comparing, um, you know offensive strengths, you know goes to the quarterback, and and that's where the Chargers definitely have the upper hand. Um. And I think just when it comes to coaching as well, they have the upper hand. And so if this is also going to come down to a game of who's, you know, are we going to get out coached? Well, this is, a, you know, very possible, you know, both teams are, you know, have a very long list of people on not just injuries, but um, the, you know, COVID list. Um, it, it comes down to that planning and that prep and, and how the team is run and managed. Um, and that's where we very well could find ourselves in a bad situation just because we've seen it time and time again for the Broncos. Right. Um, but yeah, they have a lot of offensive weapons that, uh, our defense is going to have to find a way to stop. Um, you know, the question is now Kenny Young being out there would be huge. Um, you know, cause he's kind of, I think taken over as a, as a leader on that, on the defense, you know, he's really stepped up and since he's coming to town, um, done a lot of good things for the defense, not just in his gameplay, but he's been one of those big playmakers that, uh, the defense can really rally around, you know? Um, yeah. so him being back on the field can definitely, uh, hopefully give us some, some feel, a uh, feeling of, I guess, going back to normalcy of, you know, having him not be there the last few weeks and, um, just that, uh, veteran presence out there on the field during all of this to help, you know, call things out and point things out and, um, just keep the overall um, ag- aggression and morale up out on the, the defense side of the ball. Hey, let, let's get them. We need to stop them from scoring, you know? So it could be a lot of bend, but don't break uh, from this defense. And that's kind of what Bangio's defense does in general. But, um, yeah. you know, if, if they can do that of, you know, one, maybe force a couple turnovers would be great. Um, but two, uh, just, prevent them from getting in the end zone. That's what's going to give us a chance to win this game. Yep. I mean, kind of the same defensive concept as last year, get three turnovers or last week, get three turnovers. uh, But our offense is going to have to do some answering. I mean, shoot our, our defense literally, it it wasn't six points. Chubb ended up getting tackled the one yard line. We ended up punching it in. So the offense got credit for that, but that was the defensive score. Other than that, our offense was score once. So, yep. you know, that's that's one of those things you have to think about. I love I love the concept. Get a couple turnovers. I think it's going to be big to this game. But if we have a couple turnovers, it doesn't guarantee um, a big one. Something as of today, January 1st, 2020, Jared Cook has been put on the injured reserve – or sorry, his the reserve COVID list. So yep. Jared Cook on the COVID list as well as Kenneth Murray, their linebacker. So they also have some issues on that linebacking core. Um, it looks like uh, another linebacker – Kyler Fackrell uh, on their defensive side was put on the IR. Uh, Mark Webb Jr., their backup safety, was put on there, but we all know um, who their main safeties are. And I think that uh, Trey Marshall, uh, good old Broncos uh, Trey Marshall, is going to be starting at free safety for the Chargers uh, this week. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, him out there in a Chargers uniform as we take them on. Yep. But, you know, they still have uh, Kazir White, who is the 2018 draft, um, has been playing linebacker for them for a while, has been playing in an okay position. Uh, 
uh, Drew Tranquil is kind of the backup linebacker that they have. So both their linebackers in there are also backups. Like you said, on our side of the ball for defense, um, I, I think the big part about that is Kenny Young. And like you, you, you said it, as soon as he came in, everybody was kind of questioning, like, holy crap, we lost all our linebackers. He came in and kind of reestablished not only his role in our in our defense, but just the defense in general as hard-hitting, run-stoppers. Um, and, and like you said, that bend-don't-break mentality really does come down to that guy right there. And I think he's a big piece. When he's not in there, you can tell. And uh, mm-hmm. that's going to be a really important piece to our defense. But, you know, their offensive line still strong. Um, and there's not much we could do about that. Uh, that we're going to have to stop the run in order to force them to throw, maybe get another Sertan pick, uh, Jackson Simmons, Darby. My look, my Pat Sertan, uh, preseason bet. Um, I, I think that's lost. I think, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, uh, Mika Parsons over Micah Parsons, however you pronounce it over there in, in Dallas mm-hmm. is all but shored up defensive rookie of the year. Um, right, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Pat Sertan, you're close though. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I close. tell you what, he's playing. He's playing a pretty damn good season this year, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm super happy to see what happens with him uh, as we move forward. Again, he's stayed healthy, which has been really nice, um, and he's just been playing very well. So I'm interested, kind of. I'm kind of interested to see uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen match up against Pat Sertan just to see what they look oh, like. Yeah. Those are two. Those are two really good receivers, and Williams, a guy that they're going to be matched up for a long time here in the next few years. So I'm interested mm-hmm. to watch that matchup and see how that plays. Or are they going to do what the Raiders did and not throw to his side at all? Because you know, you know, on the other side is Darby against your number two, who their number two is probably Williams or Keenan Allen, and I mm-hmm. mean that's a pretty good matchup. I'll take that nine times out of ten. So. I'd, yep. I'd almost expect them to not throw to Pat Sertan's side unless they see something wide open and we're in some sort of zone concept. But if we're in a man or like, you know, an easy soft zone, I, I would expect them to throw to Darby's side uh, nine yep. times out of ten. Um, and then yep. run the ball. And that's basically going to be their their defense. Like you said, we need to get a couple turnovers. And and not only a couple turnovers, but don't let them score touchdowns. Yeah, um, we're one. Of, we are one of the best in the league at preventing big scores until it gets out of hand, which is something I never got about this team. And this might be a whole nother podcast or maybe on one of our Tuesday night shows, we could talk about this, but I never understood about the Denver Broncos this year. We either keep it really close and our defense is amazing, or we keep it really close up into a certain point, like Mm -hmm. a pick, like a pick six or something like that, where they don't let up a single touchdown. And then we let up a pick six. I'm thinking Philly off the top of my head. That's the first one. Yeah. We let up a pick six, and all of a sudden, our defense just can't do anything. Everything like they falls just lose apart. All motivation. Next, next thing you know, they're putting thirty up on us. Mm-hmm. And and I just yeah. I never got that about our Broncos. I never got the oh well now game's over so like fuck it like mentality. You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't know where that came from or what that's doing. But you know sometimes they look ball, they ball out and they play real strong all the way through. Um, and then and then the in the Raiders game, you know, we get that big turnover at half. And then they come out and just destroy us uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the second half on the offensive side. Not destroy us to the point where it's like right. you know, three touchdowns, but like to the point where we there was nothing that we could do that they that would stop them. Yeah. And yeah, it was just it was just really confusing, and I'm I'm kind of interested in wondering what the the psychology is behind that. You know, I mean, it, I think it goes back to just um, the culture that the coaching staff instills within the team. You know, um, it's, it's tough. It's a very psychological thing, you know, and 
I mean, teams more and more nowadays are hiring sports psychologists and stuff to work with players. I know. I wonder from a, a larger team perspective versus just player perspective, what that psychology is. You know, I think there's a lot of, um, you want to call it accountability or something, but, but yeah, why is it that it's almost like the players say, well, that's it. Um, you know, and, and I'll, I'll go back to it. You know, it, it's not, um, it's not like they're thinking about it purposely, but no. the Broncos are one in 22 when losing at halftime. Now, no, I don't yeah. think any single one of the professional players go into the locker room when they're down at halftime and say, oh, guys, you know, we're all 1-22, in 22, so we might as well just right. give up. But there is something. We're all human. When when we see the same thing happen over and over again, there's just something in the back of our minds that, you know, that trigger, you know, and say, oh, this is familiar territory. And it's either it's demoralizing or it, it yeah. makes you frustrated and it causes you to make mistakes. So, you know, I'm not saying the players are going out there and just saying and, and purposely throwing up their hands. But when you're in a similar situation that always ends in the same result of you losing, there is some yeah. player psychology there. And I will attribute it to that. But then as the coaching staff, you have to recognize that we as fans recognize that. So what has the coaching staff been trying to do to overcome it? Now we'll never know, you know, I'm sure that they've been trying to address it, but you, you know, I don't know. There's just a lot of, you know, sub it's, it's a lot of subconscious things there. Maybe just my psychology, you know, degrees and whatnot are coming into play here, but it just, it would not surprise me if, if that just, is what is a motivating factor, demotivating factor when you're in those positions, something like that happens and everybody goes, Oh, here we go again. You know, whether it's conscious or subconscious. Yeah. And, and I, here's, here's a couple of things that I could think about and a little bit of insight on what I did to this year, this last couple of years. But as everybody knows, I'm a high school football coach. And when I was down in San Diego, uh, I was coaching for a team that was probably, you know, top 15 in Southern California, that includes the LA San Diego area. So a pretty good team competing for state championships almost every single year at Madison. And then I come up and I live in the middle of nowhere now at a high school called uh, uh, Burroughs, Ridgecrest. And this team, I, I got here and they have a team that has mostly sophomores and they couldn't put together a JV team because they didn't get a lot of people that came out this year after COVID and everything else. That's a long story short. <clears throat> we went 0-10 this year. And about halfway through the season we all sat down in the coach's office and goes okay we need to stop when going down after our first touchdown because nobody can tackle we need to stop automatically on the sideline getting down like we're all like mm -hmm. oh here we go again it's kind of like a generic like oh this is happening again we knew this was going to be a shitty season for us and i know it's not the same for the nfl but we knew it was going to be a shitty season we have to keep that motivation up but we yeah. didn't have anybody that was the hype man yeah and i think there's something to say about a certain type of coach <clears throat> when you're down and you have say, cause I'm a very calm, cool and collective coach. And that's, there's a right place for that. 99% of the time. I think being calm, cool and collective in the face of pressure in the face of adversity is really important, but there's also a level of like, when we go down and we're down by two scores, I don't, sometimes I don't have the fire to really like, Hey guys, like the right fire to be like, you guys got to believe me. I've always been like, you know, we got to push, guess push through. I know it like, it seems impossible. You know, my mathematically eliminated is there. But sometimes it's harder for someone like like a coach that's calm, cool, and collective like Vic Fangio to get out there and be like, guys, we can still do this. Let's go. We got this. I know it seems unlikely, but there's been you know better teams out there to do this before. And I think there's something to say that I, maybe we need 
one of those coaches to be a little bit more of a hype man. Ed Donatel is not that guy. Pat Shermer's nope. not that guy. And nope. we all know Vic Fangio's the, the the definition of calm, cool, and collective to where I think he's on like some sort of sedatives every time he gets interviewed. <laughs> I <clears throat> I, you know, I, I wonder I wonder if that's part of, like, you know, we talk about the culture of the team. And, you know, we thought we had it with Vance Joseph because everyone kept calling him a player's coach. He was he was with the players. He was one of the players. But I think that kind of the same thing where it was like when things got bad, what kind of coach are you going to be in? What kind of mentality you're going to instill in the locker room to be able to keep it up? And when we go right. down to where it seems statistically impossible, are you going to say, ah, this is pretty statistically impossible. Can't happen, guys throw in the towel i know like you said it's not being said but actions speak really really loud when people are putting their head down and shaking their head and like oh there it goes there goes another loss for us it really does do a, a number especially on on players and obviously it's different at the high school level you're talking about impressionable young men compared to professional uh um, right grown men making more money than they are um <laughs> But I think that's part of the culture of the Broncos this year. There's a reason he's one in 22 after the half. And there's a reason why when we make a mistake, it seems like everything goes down the drain. We don't know what to do anymore. It was the same thing against the Raiders. We got the ball back uh, to go down and win the game. I've been saying this for months. I've never had one faith in this team to go win a game with one drive left in two minutes. And it, and they showed me against the mm-hmm. Raiders that it just can't happen because in their head, they already lost. And again, yeah. whether it's a collective thing where it's probably a psychological thing for sure, but there's something to be said about having a calm, cool, and collective coach. But I feel like we need some sort of hype man out there to be able to really push that mentality of like, guys, we're not out of this. Like, yeah, you make a mistake. Let's bounce back and fix it up. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, it's not, it's, I don't think it's as easy as saying like, oh, just go make a cool halftime speech. It's really a culture Right, no, thing. that's not, yeah. Yeah. What yep. what do you do when you get knocked down? And and that's that's a big piece in the leadership position, right? What do you do when you get mm-hmm. knocked down? In in the face of adversity, are you gonna just suck it up and try it again next time, or are you gonna try to fix it this time and go out there and, and do your best to do it uh, until you can't? Right? There's there's a level there, but I don't know, man. It just seems really difficult. I got kind of on a little bit of a track there uh, with those statements, but that, no, that's how I feel about these Broncos on. right now. That's how I feel about the team right it, now and where we're at. It just leads to more credence of we need a coaching change, not just for coaching change sake, but uh, somebody to come in and, and change the overall culture because a lot of the players are still going to be here and that culture is going to bleed over. So we need somebody who can come in and instill a different culture within the entire right. organization because, you know, if we just hire some other head coach that doesn't address that, it's going to be the same thing. I mean, those players are still going to have that same mentality um, subconsciously, you know. Um, but, yeah, so either some some player that can go in and fire fire players up, you know, um, or the coach that just when the moment is needed can fire the players up. Uh, yeah. So, you know, there's this is where I'm looking at George Payton, and I think I would really like to believe that he sees this and he knows this too, and that's, yeah. you know, going to drive his decision-making. Um, yep. keeping Fangio around is not now, if you had hired him to be the defensive coordinator, then he'd be doing a great job at his, you know, at what he was right. hired to do, but right. that's not what he was hired to do. There's all these problems under his tenure and these need to be addressed by bringing in somebody else. And yep. hopefully, you know, 
with the right players we bring in, the right coaching staff we bring in, this ship can, can turn around because we do have a lot of talent. You know, I keep going back to it. It's not like we're um, the, the Lions where we're just so far lost. That it's like, how are we even an NFL team? Like we have a ton of talent and a ton of ability out there. We just need to yeah. change some things for the better. And we can be um, a very, very, very competitive team. Yeah. And and even um, going back to what I was saying earlier, even the way they call it, like like body language and voices matter. Like if you're putting in a play and you're being like, okay, we're just going to call it like, you know, you're robotic about it. Then there's no motivation that the quarterback's robotic calling the play and the people getting it are like, okay, this, I just got to do what I got to do to get out there and do it. And it kind of takes the fun out of the game a little bit. And I think that's where starting, you know, you start to see guys like people that played for the the. Uh, Browns for so long when they were shitty with the the Lions mm-hmm. when they were shitty for so long they just lose love for the game and I would just hate for that to happen the Broncos you know but it just just seems like the past five years you could see some of these guys just starting to lose a little love for the game which is unfortunate I don't want to do that a to some of our young guys out there but he, even mm-hmm. some of the guys that we just picked up like Justin Simmons just had another big contract which we love we don't want to lose him but that's another big piece to this so Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you know I I think of someone like Sean McVay, who's doing very well over at the Rams. Um, you know, he's kind of a fired up, very brilliant offensive mind, brilliant head coach. Uh, makes some mistakes at the head coach position, but he can get his guys into a game if he needs to. Um, yeah. Obviously, we're not going to get Sean McVay in the offseason, but I'm that's just <laughs> just you know the kind of the type of yeah the type of guy. Even if it was like a Sean McVay at a, a type of personality at offensive coordinator. And, you know, the head coach yeah. is Calm Cool Collective, then we're fine with that. But we, we can't just have this, like, robotic Calm Cool Collective across the board. Um, mm-hmm. But that we'll get in that when we do our uh, our coaching search podcast, I'm sure, which will come at the end of the season once, once oh, yes. the news gets out of who, who's gone and who's staying around. So, um, all right, Kev, uh, I already went longer than I told you we, we would go. No, no it's fine. Um, is there, uh, is there uh, any last thoughts here uh, going into L.A. to play the Chargers for the second time? Um, so, I mean, I can, I can get my score prediction, but other than that, you know, for us, we want to do as close to as what we did the first time, uh, and hope that we can overcome the chargers attempts at stopping it. Um, yeah. that's the thing is they, I wouldn't do anything different if I was the Broncos. It worked the first time, um, you know, and we're not good at adjusting. <laughs> right. So don't try to adjust. You know, at least at least off the bat. And once the game gets going, then, of course, we'd like the Broncos to adjust um, based off the situation. But they're not good at adjusting. So right. um, but so hopefully we go in with a very similar game plan and it works because um, it doesn't work. Then we're in trouble. Um, yeah. But I think with all the injuries and the fact I'm standing in for David, <laughs> My score prediction uh, is going to be Broncos 9, Chargers 20. No touchdowns for the Broncos. Nope. No touchdowns for the Broncos. That's Nope. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I like that you said that because you're standing in for David. I'll give you a pass on this one. Um, and also because my score prediction is, while similar, I do believe we score a touchdown. Um, whether it be, whether it be in shitty time or I, I honestly think we could score a touchdown in the first half, keep it okay. pretty close at half. And then I think it gets out of hand in the second half, because I do think that this coaching staff can go into games pretty well prepared, but I don't think that they do any halftime adjustments. Um, mm-hmm. 
which has been a concern for me all season as well. So I think that we score. I think we get up to 13 points, um, but I do think that they also score 24. So I think it's going to be either 24 or 29 to uh, to 13. Okay. Um, they're they're going to get a big play on us. They're going to get a big touchdown. Uh, you know, I, I can see Keenan Allen having a good game, and I definitely see Austin Eckler running for over 100 yards, probably having over 40 yards receptions. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'd like to I'm, – I'm recording with Ray probably later. If we don't record, I, I would love to take an Austin Eckler bet of uh, – <laughs> you know, over 100 yards rushing and uh, over 40-yard receiving on this game. But I, I think yeah. we could keep it close defensively until a certain point, like we talked about during this podcast, and then it just gets yep. uh, it gets to a point where I, – but I also do think there's not going to be a point in this game where we really think we have a chance to win it. Unless – look, if Drew Locke goes out there and he throws for three touchdowns, I'll eat every single one of these words. And I would love <laughs> to see it because I, I'm, I'm not a – I'm not a Teddy stand for the record. I'm not a Drew Locke stand. I, I, I like both yeah, of them yeah. equally because I think whoever's playing for quarterback for the Broncos, I have love for and I always wish the best for. I would love yep. to see him go out there last two games and just have the, the two games of his career and then we bring him back with a veteran quarterback next year. I would, I would love every single second about that. I don't have faith it's going to happen, but I would still nah, love to see You never know. Yep. I would still love to see it. So I, I'm hoping for you, Drew. Go out there and prove us wrong. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, 29-13 as my score prediction. Okay. All right. There you go. There it is, Kev. Thanks so much for filling in for David. Uh, I know this was a little bit more of a pessimistic talk than most of our uh, podcasts. That time of year, unfortunately, it, it is that time of year. Um, Happy New Year to you, bud. Happy New Year to all of our you listeners. You as well. And uh, as always, Orange Weekly is going to be here for another year, whether you like it or not. Uh, we're, we're sticking around. <laughs> we love uh, we love doing this with you guys. We love you guys that you guys listen to us and interact with us on all of our shows. Make sure you're subscribing on every um, social media. We have something for you almost every night of the week during the season, and we will be releasing a postseason uh, schedule for you guys, so you guys kind of have an idea of what's going to be released in the off season. But with all that being said, Kev, thanks again for filling in for David. We only have one more thing to uh, end it off on. As we always do, Good go Broncos. Orange Weekly. Fans, brews, and Broncos news.